Welcome to Journey to the Centre of Food, a bag of frazzles in a world of fine dining. My name's Jay Taylor, I'll be your pilot today, along with James Winter, our trusted foodie navigator. Hi! And on today's show, grab your chilies, cheese and tacos, as we are heading to Mexico. We are speaking with the chef who's cooked Mexican food for the Queen and some of the world's most famous and powerful people, the multi-award winning Fernando Stavell. Plus, we're going to be stepping inside the world's most expensive hotel at almost £2 billion. Discover how you make a restaurant there. So grab your finest mariachi outfit and a bag of fresh chilies, of course, as we take a journey to the centre of Mexican food. Hello, James. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Do, remember, do we have like title music? It feels like we need like a, a good uh, title sequence after your grand intros. We need some kind of... What, like Mexican music? Now, um, we, we've, uh, just as alluding to what's coming up ahead, we've had correspondence. Uh, a message from a very dedicated listener, Tracy Morse. Hello, Tracy. Hi. Uh, she says she originates from Wales but now lives in Mexico and has over the years had many adventures with the food of Mexico, including all manner of challenging street food, including chili sweets. Uh, and she suggests we could learn a lot by exploring the real world of Mexican cooking. So you've gone and organised a, a guest for us. Well, later. this podcast is an answer to that, that cry for help. We we. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll be able to explore the world of chilli sweets. Don't know. We haven't primed our guest with that. Somebody he might have to wig it. I'm sure he can give a convincing answer. But yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I've got a little uh, Mexican treat lined up. But before that, you, you've got a you've got a, a sort of a, a glow around you this week, James. It's almost like you've it, been away somewhere warm. It's a mild tan on the old fair winter <laughs> complexion. Yeah, I have been uh, far-flung places. And I've, I've just come back from Dubai, where, as, as your intro suggests, I've been... Uh, privy to what will be I'm absolutely certain the biggest grandest hotel opening of 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 any century but certainly this one bar the one they, the same group opened sort of 12 years ago <laughs> so where have you been explain well, to Dillis where you've been and why you've yeah, been yeah so there. I've been over in, in Dubai at the Palm Resort where they are currently building um, this rather spectacular new um, addition to the Palm called the Atlantis the Royal which is like a big grander more luxurious older sibling to the Atlantis uh, on the Palm which as some of our listeners may be aware or not aware is is sort of a a luxury premium hotel sort of you know it is thematically about Atlantis I mean it's got the world's biggest fish tank and, and lots of underwater themed How things. does it? I didn't even know that and the I world's see. biggest water park next door to it and, and on the <laughs> other side of a water park now should you slide your way through is this new <laughs> Atlantis for Royal which is I just I mean it's breathtaking in scale and vision and everything I mean you, you mentioned a couple of billion dollars I mean that's that's it that's what that's what a couple of billion dollars will buy you the biggest grandest hotel on earth you know, did you say there was 10,000 people working on it when you were there when we visited there were you know, I didn't count them obviously but there were a lot of people <laughs> we were told there were between nine and 10,000 people on site building working finishing because it's they built the structure and now it's about fittings and 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 the wires a lot of wires and piping to put in i think it's i think it's 12 restaurants i think i mean i'm, I'm winging it slightly so apologies if, if anyone is listening from the from the group um if i get this wrong but it's it's sort of 12 different sort of food and beverage entities along with the spectacular fountains and statues and and just incredible things they're building and you were there for and you weren't just there to inspect the workers and pass your you know you were there for the restaurant yes purpose, we right? are we are as part of the, the fact that group opening uh, a couple of spaces out there uh, um 
uh, Dinner by Heston is going there in one space, and we're also uh, taking on a bar space, which I can say less about, but is being developed secretly in the secret labs of Bray. Oh, are you allowed to talk about the uh, structure at the centre of the restaurant, or is that still a uh, secret? What, the world's largest jellyfish tank? Well, yeah. Yes, you've I said think it. you've said it I now. Could, I, I think I can. <laughs> I've just said it, but I think it's very much part of the public domain. It is going to be one of the iconic features in the in the sort of the lobby adjoining area of, of this of this uh, of, of hotel. And it's very and, James Bond, isn't it? You do expect at some point someone to go through a trap well, the door. Well, the whole place it. was a bit like James. You expect somebody to just sort of you know bop, sort of be thrown into this. I mean, literally in the Atlantis, there are sharks swimming in the really? tank. I mean, it's enormous. It's like think of a London aquarium times about three. I mean, the scale of this fish tank in um, I say fish tank. I mean, it is an aquarium. I'm sure we call it a subaquatic kingdom. You know, it's it's just an enormous <laughs> thing. You know, and and they do do. You can dive with them, I believe, in the brochure, um, and go down there. But you know, you expect it like Mr. Bond. If you don't pay your bill or you cause a bit of a fuss in the bar one night, for your room to <laughs> yeah. slide back and plop. In with the box jellyfish. Yes. Thanks very much. Yeah. Plus also, I know, I know. obviously, you know, in places like Dubai, drinking isn't quite the same as it is over here. But you do imagine after a few beers, everyone will be egging each other on to get in it. Oh, well, I, hopefully they've made it secure, <laughs> Jay. I'm hoping it's not just there. I mean, there are plenty of wonderful swimming pools, including this incredible, on the 22nd floor, right? It's not the top floor either, but on the 22nd floor, which is balanced between these two monolithic towers of this hotel is is a kind of floating infinity pool of like half a kilometre long. So there's plenty of places for you to go swimming, you know, where you've got the entire vista of, of the whole of Dubai. But one one observation I did make, which is really uh, struck me as sort of, I believe it's very British of me, but obviously you're, you're on this hotel, on this complex where you've got the beautiful Arabian Sea, but nobody looks at it. Everything's facing back towards the great big mega city of, of Dubai. It's really oh, strange. Interesting. So, so you want to, you know, your instincts as a European, where you want to see the sea and, and dream of far, you know, whatever whatever dreams you have, you want to sit there. Absolutely not. I mean, you'd absolutely not. You won't find a sea anywhere on, the, on, on Dubai that allows you to see the sea. You constantly you must look, look at the city. At, look at the city, which is extraordinary. It is like something built. I mean, this will date me and, and obviously reveal something about myself. In a game, there was supposed to be a game called Sim City, which was yeah. one of the precursors to all sorts of building games. But it's like that. I mean, it's just so incredible the scale and number of these huge buildings, including the, you know, the, I can never remember what the names of the different towers are, but the world's largest building, which, I mean, is too big to even take in. You just can't. Oh, it's I mean, the world's largest everything there, isn't it? Yeah, it's so, kind of the sort of. And so that's, and but there are hundreds of others, and there's this one's sort of, this, you know, they've got ones that look like the Chrysler building in New York, but they've got two of them next to each other. <laughs> you know, it's all. Anything. How do you compete with this, though? You're opening a restaurant there, not you specifically, but you as part of the group. How you can't build the world's biggest dessert, or maybe you can. We did no, but we don't. Compete. We're not competing on size. Um, we're about uh, uh, delivering a, a quality, um, unique food and beverage offering. You know, so we want to bring something that Dubai doesn't have. We know we can deliver it very well um, because we have incredible teams of people to do it. Um, and really, the, the hope is that people will connect with that and want to engage with what we offer the world, which is you know, incredible food and drink experiences. You know, story-led, experiential at times. You know, always atmospheric and, and contextual in, in what they are. And, and you know, hopefully, that will be of interest to people and, and they will not, come. you know where you're going to end up in the jellyfish uh, tank so, well in the shark tank jellyfish, the shark. jellyfish are very sensitive to light and sound so i'm really is that, intrigued is that true they put them in the bar i know <laughs> i can only i can only assume go these well. people these people are, must be the world's experts in in sort of can you tell if they're dead based. anyway though can they tell if they're yeah, dead yeah they all float jellyfish? to the surface 
Oh, they do, do they? I remember, oh, I I, I, slightly off topic, but I did once go to a, uh, a restaurant opening in uh, Horsham, in uh, wherever that is, in Surrey, I think, um, of, a, of a restaurant which at the time, you know, I don't think it claimed to have the world's biggest jellyfish tank, but it certainly had a very large jellyfish tank in its in its offering. And I remember going to the opening night and driving all the way down there to be confronted with a giant tank full of dead floating jellyfish on the surface <laughs> where they, there were just people just sobbing. This is oh, all no. gone horribly wrong. So, oh, wow. Okay. I'd hate to cast uh, moments of doubt on any large project, but that's what's on my mind. I keep thinking, <laughs> that's please, all we care about now. please, somebody know how to keep jellyfish. Uh, well, listen, we will be checking in with you over the coming months about the progress of your, it's now your £2 billion hotel, um, to find out how it's going Thank and you. how your 10,000 workers are cracking on. But well, you must jump, it's very international this week, we must leap across to another continent now, because it's time to meet our guest host for today. Fernando Stavell uh, is a multi-award winning, renowned Mexican-British chef for 23 years. He's cooked for everyone, from the royal family to heads of state, politicians to celebrities, including Bowie, Axel Rose, Spielberg, Kate Moss. He owns Stavell's restaurant in the village of Chobham that blends European and Mexican cuisine, and he even finds time to be a judge on MasterChef Mexico. Joining us live from Mexico City, which sounds fantastically grand, we are delighted to welcome Fernando to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, James. Uh, one very important person that we missed out was on that list, James. I cooked for James many years oh, ago. <laughs> yeah. many times. And, and we've had some wonderful meals. I was just, before we started, it's a bit personal maybe, but I was reminded uh, and remembering with my wife, mm. that Fernando and I met in, in, a, in a restaurant up a mountain once, do you remember? In, yeah. in Mallorca. Oh, so, so, he took me to this incredible uh, place called Espagere, <laughs> yep. which is one of those sort of destination restaurants that have, has leapt out of the landscape of food. I think Rick Stein made it, mm. put it on the map in one of his mm. Mediterranean series. And literally, you have to almost climb a mountain to get to the top. And there, in Rick's vision, is a little old lady making wood fired <laughs> lamb with beer. Obviously, when we get there, a post Rick sort of, it's quite a big end, uh, undertaking, isn't it? She's got new barns and, and she's clearly, you know, Know, getting her hair done and all sorts of stuff but it's still serving the same menu yeah, it was yeah. an extraordinary it's day that i mean incredibly I treacherous to drive all the way up there um i think we were both shaking we agreed not to drink anything to drive but <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. have a glass of rose but it was yeah. getting down was more treacherous yeah, let's yeah. be honest yeah, I mean, yeah. getting up was hard but getting down was because it's nearly dark by that point but it's if anyone's on the listening from the Balearic isles mm. and, and can get that i would recommend making highly trip, recommend really that was, they have wonderful one of the two specialities were snails and lamb cooked on the wood uh, which I, is something that i absolutely love and uh if Gosh, that sounds incredible. Oh, i mean you could just sit down and have snails the whole afternoon the whole morning but then probably stay the night there where well there's there's nowhere to stay but just sleeping i, I know car. you'd have to sleep under an olive tree you wouldn't be offered a bed yeah no it's it's and that'll make your way back now yeah, yeah wonderful place really highly recommend it Oh, it was amazing, yeah. and it was yeah, it was a really wonderful memory. So you mm. know, thank you, Fernando, no, no, for introducing me to that. And, and you're right; I've eaten your food many times, and it's always, always delightful thank and you, interesting. Sir. I mean, that's as Jay alluded to, and we, we, we you kind of managed to blend sort of European your training in the European group with that little lovely you know, Mexican uh, element, which is is part of who you are, part of your DNA. Well, very proudly, I can say um, I was born in Mexico, but proudly, um, I'm Anglo-Mexican. Um, uh, I've lived. I think longer in the UK than I've lived um, in Mexico. And the hardest thing is, I, I said to James yesterday, um, um, I don't know if I speak Spanish correctly. Or I'm not sure if I speak English correctly. <laughs> well, I, I, I get by. <laughs> I mean, I think my language is in the kitchen, really. Uh, uh, I'm just uh, uh, a bit of a food nerd when it comes to 
knowing my ingredients and, and knowing the different techniques. And you're talking about a, a restaurant in Dubai. Um, if there's a space for a tiny little Mexican restaurant, please do let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you got a jellyfish? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there seems to be. You're you're have to bring your own. You know, you know, they got jellyfish. You need well, something different, well, like well, I don't know, a cage of wolves well, or something. We're Mexican, so so I'm sure that we can get hold of absolutely anything that you guys need. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That sounds brilliant. That sounds like an amazing bribe as well. <laughs> Whatever you need, get me yeah, in exactly. there. There's loads of space in there, especially now James is friends with all the 10,000 workers. Yeah. We'll just get you to build a bit out the side. Because right. you're in Mexico City at the moment, aren't you? Even though you've got a place in yeah, Surrey. Yeah, yeah, at the moment I am. I've got a wonderful restaurant since 10 years ago called Stovell's. Um, and uh, I'll just briefly explain uh, without actually getting it long-winded. Um, I married my high school girlfriend three and a half years ago. And the plan was just to go back to England with my stepchildren to, to, to obviously for them to study and have the opportunity of, but there's been selected obstacles that haven't really allowed us to, to do so. So, <laughs> so I've been traveling back and forth from Mexico. I haven't been back to Mexico in 20, I think it was 23 years now. Um, and, uh, Oh, wow. I, you probably saw some changes in that oh, 23 it's, years. It's, Mexico is just, um, it's just one of those countries that, you know, I get goose pimples just even talking about it. Um, MasterChef has been a really good platform for me to obviously be a little bit more recognized in the country. Uh, the show gets to see, I mean, the viewers are an average of 10, 8 to 10 million people watching every single Friday. Wow. Um, uh, still huge over there as well as well, is it? It's massive. And I'm deadly grateful for people like Greg Wallace and John Thoreau and selected others who, who have made a really, really good show of itself. And, and if you guys are listening to me, I have to be one of the judges, maybe once. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but at the moment, I'm, I'm permanently here with judging MasterChef here in Mexico. Um, um, I've done three episodes, well, three series now. Um, I'm the guest chef and I am, don't ask me why, but I am sold as the, um, the royalty chef. So I have to be the... Um, the Hooray Henry Chelsea boy who, who wears really good Oh, no, really? Yeah, I have to wear really good <laughs> but suits. But this is because you've cooked for the Queen. Well, right? I have. Um, I've been very privileged. Uh, in 2000 and... No, in fact, in 1999, I was at Westminster College. Um, I was the uh, one of the many students that we were. And they asked for the 10 best students at college to actually work privately for a head of state. We, were, we, we signed contracts where we were not allowed to ask. And on the third or fourth day, I was actually required to to help to translate some some menus. And when I was translating some menus from German to French to French to English, uh, grandma, my grandmother, Hermie, she's, she's she's she was Austrian, so I kind of understood some words. And I just just tried my luck, like any good Mexican person. Uh, I said, I can I can speak the language. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank God, nice. thank God for Google and thank God for grandma. And um, so I started translating the menus, and I found out that on the third or second or third menu, we had. Um, we had a menu that actually said uh, uh, Her Majesty the Queen, obviously His Majesty, the head of state who I was catering for, and I still, at times, I, I still cater for. Um, the uh, the menu obviously said it was a private private party for 15 people. So, funnily enough, I was actually asked to, to be part of these private functions, and we had like 15 to 20. And that's how I actually started cooking for Her Majesty. And then every time His Majesty would come to Europe, uh, we're talking properties in Germany and France, and and don't ask me why, but Egypt was part of the sort of group of Europe. Um, we we started catering for, I mean, for the likes of Jack Chirac and, and uh, Mubarak in Egypt. And and I was actually, oh, wow. after the third or fourth week, my predecessor, the, the chef in charge, was on his, he was on the brink of actually retiring. So they needed someone responsible. And 
crazy like I am to actually <laughs> take over uh, the, the European kitchens. And I was actually offered wow. the, um, the job as, a, as the executive European chef. So very, very privileged. I, I think uh, Jamie Oliver is one of the best examples in the industry where you're at the right, right place at the right time. And, and you just, for one or another reason, you just get the opportunity off. And, you know, these opportunities don't come all the time. So I just took my 100% into it, madly fell in love with what I was doing. And I got to see the most wonderful palaces and wonderful people and country, countries in the world uh, uh, in many different occasions. How, how, when you're cooking for people sure. of that sort of stature and standing, are you? How are you briefed on it? Do you, are you told to go crazy, do whatever you like, or are you given no, the agreement no. to make it well, make it bland? I mean, what, where do you end up between the two? Everybody's got a different palate, and I think uh, your palate. Funnily enough, uh, um, we all think that our palate is really and technically really is in our mouths, but uh, we we our palate is really on the brain. Uh, we've got a, an archive. We've got a file on the brain where I mean, we talk as chefs that. The most nostalgic things that we do we're very emotional we talk about obviously passion and uh, and that's an emotional fact but the, the real fact when we eat something it's on our archives uh, on our files that we hold in the brain a best example it is one of the first foods that we've had when, when we're babies is like banana because of the texture because of how it feels and that on our file is already archived and we recognize these things so so nostalgia which is a word that we use quite a lot in in, in cooking terms takes a big part. Uh, so if the first things that I think if we would cater or we would cook for Her Majesty, we have to think of things that really would make her feel at home, away from home. And uh, and I think it sounds very romantic, but I, I think mm. it's 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 beyond that. So we do have briefings. Um, I remember having, um, I'm, I, I'm not allowed to mention certain names, but I remember having uh, certain protocol interviews with, with selected people from the palace. And uh, I was actually briefed. And I was the one who actually knocked at the door saying, well, I am going to do the, the state visit for Her Majesty in one of the countries in the Middle East, second time in history. And I asked, can you please brief me as friends and as, and as working colleagues, uh, because you're not going, I'm the one who's actually going to be catering breakfast, lunch, tea, dinner, and actually be in charge of, of selected oh banquets. God, so you do all the and cooking. I, I didn't realize it was everything. Yeah, it, it was a, an unbelievable operation. This happened in 2010. And uh, obviously, other people who I actually, uh, um, other people who actually trusted me on this, um, it was just one of the most wonderful experiences. Mm. I I still remember, and I treasure so so greatly, um, the first day when when Her Majesty arrived. It must have been in the evening, and we had, well, we were asked like four or five different rooms just in case she would obviously have her dinner, and um, and obviously you have to send menus. Um, carefully uh, for them to be approved and you have you said like five or six every single day prior to actually uh, uh, her majesty will be eating so so everything is pre-organized and everything's pre pre sort of obviously uh, i mean the protocols are just beyond the first day um, it just did not really sink in in my brain that I, I was actually catering for the most influential and the most wonderful person in this planet <laughs> uh, can you uh, can you reveal any details about what 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 you made? I mean, what dishes? What, was there something that really triggered her nostalgia? James, um, um, well, well, he, you read British history. I one of the biggest tricks that I've been told in in media is not not to say. I mean, we're friends, and James, you know, I, I love you dearly, and and I would love to answer that question, but I think it's very private. And if I <laughs> if if I cook for you at your home, and uh, let's say for 
for instance, uh, anyone in your family has got any dietary requirements, I wouldn't be telling anyone. I think that's very mm -hmm. private because it's it's your own personal palate. And and I think everybody in the world is very intrigued to know what Her Majesty eats. She eats everything. We're all human. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so, uh, well, she, very uh, diplomatic sure. of you. Well, it's well, still well, on well. the cards. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I mean, the, yeah, yeah. your adventures into the world of of celebrity and cooking for people of that of that ilk is is, is remarkable and and really interesting. Was there? And we will get. We do want to talk to you all about the wonders of Mexican cooking. I'm just curious about out of all of your, um, you know, the, the adventures you've had with various different sort of heads of states and celebrities and people like that. Was there ever a time that you were asked to make something and you just said, I, I can't do that, or do you always find a way around things? It, it's kind of a funny story. Yeah. Um, being a Muslim country um, um, where I was working and catering for one particular head of state, well, the partner of this particular person, head of state, uh, they required um, the last day. And I was actually instructed by His Majesty, the head of state of the Middle East, cook whatever you like in the palace, whatever it's been ordered, uh, you just you just cater it. And the butler came to me that evening and said, um, this particular person would like a full English breakfast. Now we're talking. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about uh, unbelievably powerful people, and that you you have to please them. So, being a chef and being in obviously someone else's house, meaning someone else's kitchen, there are obviously people that you have to respect because depending on the, the hierarchy of or who's in charge in in those in those kitchens. So, so even though they they, they gave me a European kitchen and that's my European kitchen where I can cater whatever. I got given a separate kitchen for anything regarding pork. I still thought that, you know, religion is a very dangerous sort of ground to, to discuss in any sort of public. I think it's more of a family sort of discussion. Um, I, in my mind, thought, well, if I ever get asked to do something regarding pork, just for the respect of the religion itself and the country itself and the people that surrounds, even though I, I am authorized to cook um, anything, I think for respect of the country in itself and the, the, the beliefs that they have and and being crazy as I am when it comes to the kitchen, well, why not do uh, bacon pork, but instead of making it from pork itself, uh, making bacon from lamb and make it from the belly itself. So so I compromised and I did a, 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 a bacon made out of lamb belly and the sausages, I did a mix between turkey and, and uh, a chicken. And... Uh, <laughs> And when I was asked to actually get to speak to these wonderful two people as a thank you, I've been one of the most influential people to actually help for this particular event. I had a one-to-one -one audience with them as a thank you. And he, this particular person asked me, um, did you make this breakfast? And I said, yes. So it was very interesting English breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I personally I personally couldn't say it was not pork or anything. I knew that when someone says, and I know when someone says it's interesting, it mean, it doesn't mean it's great. <laughs> no. no, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's bad either. Absolutely. It means it, uh, it, it, it challenged them in some way. It was exactly. not what they expected. Uh, exactly. and, and it, you know, that's, that's a good thing with food, I think. They'll still remember it. Yeah. That'll be one they'll remember well, with the lamb bacon. Uh, unfortunately, sadly he's pa he passed away and and uh, and you know I, I one of the most wonderful people that i think i've ever met uh, uh, long after the breakfast we should point uh, out no, of course <laughs> no, no, Jesus. i think I, I think i think i will wake up i will wake up on the desert just with my head just looking at the sand <laughs> <like that. laughs> 
that's rule one of the cooking for heads of state. Don't steak. kill anyone. Make, don't yeah, kill yeah, one, one for any cooking, isn't it? Good <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point actually. Rule <laughs> two for most cooking. Right, so we'll leave our uh, the heads of state sure. behind sure. because uh, the the realms of Mexico and Mexican cooking is one of those terrible things over here where we just sort of as you well know having spent most of your time over here we just tar the whole of mexico with one brush that's what and, and and it's obviously something that's becoming popular or popularized a little bit over here but when i went to mexico i found it was very very different to what i expected and incredibly regional and all of the things you you, yeah. you know you do discover when you go to somewhere so for all of us uninitiated give us give us the overview but also your experiences and and, and the different joys that can be gained from the wonderful cuisines of Mexico. Right. Um, I left Mexico when I was 20, 21 years old. I lived on and off England and came back to Mexico. And it, it, it's just been a really wonderful journey. So I've, I've had the taste of both countries. And one of the conversations I had yesterday with, with uh, James was, um, I'm very torn by, when I'm in Mexico, I miss a really good cup of tea. I'm very torn, I miss a trumpet. Uh, um, Cornish crab and you know the the, the 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 history is just endless. My mouth is watering. Cadbury's chocolates, uh, you know. Uh, oh yes, now you're exactly, talking. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, England has got England has become a extremely uh, uh, powerful country in the world when it comes to ingredients in itself. And uh, you know, I, I I would not knock England in in any way or form. But Mexico really comes down to to to, to my roots, really, uh, and. Uh, uh, I've got that wonderful experience to be able to be in both countries at, unfortunately, not at the same time, but um, uh, especially for Stobels because Stobels needs me all the time uh, drastically. So I, I've left a little seed, very important at Stobels at the moment, which is uh, uh, we've got various menus and one of them is called Taste of Mexico. And Taste of Mexico is, is, is a journey uh, where you have either six courses or 12 courses and it's very regional and I've used uh, on all the menus that we've got at the moment, well, on this particular Taste of Mexico menu, I've used all my favorites that uh, 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 they're based on all the original uh, ba basics of, of we're talking about, you said, a very regional country when it comes to food. I've seen countries like France uh, that is unbelievably regional uh, and is very, very um, specialized in selective ingredients in, in certain regions. The same thing goes in Italy. Italy is incredibly regional as well, well, Mexico as well. And, uh, and obviously, um, selected other countries as well. I'm just not going to go through, obviously, all countries, but uh, Mexico, from up north all the way down to south, uh, has got unseriously real stuff. Uh, and it goes back to history. I think uh, uh, whoever's listening and wants to do a show with me, I believe in, in having a historian, believe having a mu musician, and having a, 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 a foodie who actually travels all around Mexico with the regions. Um, uh, and so can you give us give us some examples of what would be kind of really iconic Mexican ingredients? We obviously uh, think of, of well, chilies let's, and, let's, and let's go be, Before ingredients, I would like to go, and I, I've got all my props here in front of me. So oh, wow. Really heavy. Oh. This, this is called a mortero, um, um, which is the brother or the sister or the boyfriend or girlfriend, if you want to call it, of... So you're holding up what looks like this, a kind of it's it's made of it's made of what this, what's it made it's, of? It's it's made out of lava stone and it's this right. goes back. This is the blender. Uh, I mean, we call it pestle and mortar in English, but this is the blender of the Aztecs. It goes back way way back in history, and you just basically grind anything, spices or anything 
you like to drive them. And this Pestle Morty you're holding yeah. is remarkable. It looks like it's made of volcanic rock. It is it's fantastic. volcanic it is. rock at 100%. Oh, is it? And, oh, and wow. Okay. They're, they're wonderful museums just with, with all these type of tools. Uh, I gave one to James uh, many, many years ago. And it's still part it. of it. I have it here. It's right now. Look at that. It's really yeah. heavy, but it's one. Well, it's just. How old is yours? Because ours goes back. This is Marie Carmen's, my wife's. And this goes way back 150 years now. Wow. Uh, there's, there's people who go back two or three hundred years old and even longer. There's, there's, there's a museum called Museo de Antropología, which is in Mexico City, and it's highly, highly recommended. In fact, the I don't know if you've seen the, 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 the Aztec calendar, and it's huge. It's really, really big. And the Aztec calendar is made out of lava stone. So, so obviously, the Aztecs work with a lot of lava. Uh, again, it's a volcanic sort of sort of country in itself. Uh, uh, go very, and these very, items would be we'd be obviously hand carved, right, by somebody. Abso absolutely, absolutely. And they're I worked mean, on for centuries by you know by people to absolutely. You know, to, yeah. well, this, well, this is the 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 older version of what we call nowadays uh, the thermomix or the Vitaprep or <laughs> or just the the modern blenders. Uh, 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 but this, this so what you would do with it is put everything inside it and, and just gr and uh, grind it up, I mean, whether it be oh, a, 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 go on. I mean, tell us something that would be. I mean, I'm thinking of guacamole, but obviously, you know, yeah, you know spices, right? Yeah. Well, you can grind anything you like. For example, guacamole is one of the biggest and most classical things that you can just pound, and it depends on how smooth you want things. So, so for example, um, uh, in the olden days, I'm going to pull up, pull out another another prop which I absolutely love. Uh, this is really heavy. And this, for me, is, is the best, the best of the tools we have. This is the brother or sister of it. And, um, wow, so this is big, like a really, it yeah. looks like a spear made out or of lava. Or a big, big lava cigar, about okay. two feet long. Okay. I'm going to pull this, yeah, I'm going to pull this down because what I'm going to pull out, it's really, really heavy. Uh, and uh, I love this preparation, uh, Joe. We never put this back <laughs> in the podcast. This is fantastic. <laughs> what a guest, my word. This is really heavy. So, basically. Oh, my God. Oh, wow, I just that's amazing. Yeah. This is really it's like cool. A, it's like a, an anvil made out of lava. Yeah, this is it's like a like a three three legged stool, yeah. but about two inches oh, thick, and on the top is about it's like a little table, isn't it? Yeah, a little yeah. flat like a surface, tiny, tiny lava, lava table. table for your tiny yeah. lava friend. Yeah, sorry, I just dropped. Is that a rolling pin? Is that it a big is, thing? A, it rolling is like a rolling pin? pin. I just dropped my other uh, earpiece. So give me one second. Okay, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't drop it in your in your mahete. This big grinder is called a metate. Metate basically ah. is to grind. And that nowadays, again, goes back to, to, to good God, uh, even before the Aztecs, I would probably say, but this basically you just grind in your knees selected things. By grinding these things, basically, then you use something like this, which is it's called a comal. And basically... So it's a wooden ball no, or plate? No, it's made out of clay. And you just ceramic, put it on, isn't it? On, ceramic. Oh, and you wow. just put it on naked clay, uh, on naked flame, and basically you put it on. On the olden days, we used to cook with wood, hundred percent. So, so basically, you you gotta ha you have to cure it with with something called cal, which is a, um, part of a, sto a stone which makes tortillas. So basically, mm. when you grind corn, you make some sort of a dough. You add up a little bit of cal that makes your tortilla become flexible, and you can just put it on the comal, and you can actually heat the uh, the tortilla itself. To be honest, I think physically, if you see it and you see it in action and cooking them and using them in wood uh, on fire is one of the most, it's one of the closest things that you can do with the A ingredient and celebrate the earthiness from, from, from themselves. Uh, uh, incredibly romantic. For example, the molcajete, which is a pestle and mortar, you can put it on naked flame. At, at the end of the day, it's, 
it's lava stone, so so you can actually cook. Oh God, of course, yeah. yeah. It won't. It'll get hot, but it won't, uh, yeah. won't, uh, it won't fall won't. apart. Well, and so, it. is this is this for process? Is this nixtamalization, or is that something else? Well, well nixtamalization is it, it, nixtamalization. It's a process that you do with the corn in itself. So, oh. so it's 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 not a process. The one that I've shown you, nixtamalization, is completely different. But it's it's just all about respecting the species and the 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 the. the, the, the the types of corn themselves. Um, As it's on clay, does that imbue a, a flavor of itself? Oh, yes. I mean, it's, it's the earthiness that you can actually taste. I mean, I mean anything cooked with wood, um, I think uh, it brings back to, yeah. to your ancestors. It's the first waste of forms of, I believe strongly, is the first waste of form to actually start tasting food properly. Um, in the olden days, I mean, everything that we cook nowadays, obviously the caramelization and you can get all, all those flavors. Uh, and I won't get into into technical parts, but um, if we cook something, you can actually bring out, obviously enrich the flavors of, of selected ingredients. And uh, so by cooking wood, you can actually taste the seasoning of the wood itself, but also you can actually heat and brings out obviously the better flavor of the ingredient itself. Um, it's very interesting. We had Nicholas Ekstad on uh, uh, a number of weeks ago, genius. who cooks up in Scandinavia, yeah, of course, uh, or Scandinavian style of wood cooking. Yep. And it's funny that two two continents, two countries so far apart, yep. you and him are saying the same thing, which is this connection well, with wood, this connection with sort of primeval cooking, uh, brings so much more that we've sort of lost. Well, Nicholas uh, Lennox Hasty, a really good friend of mine in, in Australia, um, and Lennox Hasty used to work for Victor Arginsonis, and Victor Arginsonis is one of my closest friends, uh, Asadore Chevarri. And uh, the, the three of us, well, the four of us, were kind of linked in one or another way. I know Niklas quite well. And, uh, yeah, it's a very small world. I mean, either you behave well or you behave well in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no other way. <laughs> there's no other way around That's it. <laughs> but this is a connection with your – this is a connection with Mexico's Mexicans' past, which in in the cooking implements you've, you, you've suggested there sure. – uh, is is very connected to the past, but also lends itself to a specific style of, of absolutely. Cooking right from the start, and right? we, we're gonna we're gonna be going down. I think we're gonna go down south first. Uh, um, south is for me the, the most most intriguing. The one of the biggest challenges for me gastronomically. I've got a list of three countries that I want to visit, and I've always wanted to visit when it comes to, to food. I can't really afford to go to Japan at the moment, uh, but it's always been my dream, and I've always said I need to make money to go to Japan. Because I know it's expensive when it comes to going to mm. all these incredibly yeah. expensive restaurants. So, so I don't want to go to just on a on a cheap um, to to a country that I really do want to invest my money on knowledge. Uh, Japan is one of them. Scandinavian countries is for me, for me, is the best palette uh, personally, and uh, the best journeys that I've had in the Scandinavian countries. But Mexico has been on my list. South mm. Oaxaca has been the place that I've been so scared because I've got such high expectations. So I want to t t take you on the journey from the best place I've seen to, to well, all of them in Mexico have been wonderful. But I'm going to start with selected ingredients, um, going going from a little bit of a pottery. Pottery made out, uh, again, from clay. But this is Oaxacan pottery. It's kind of dark and it's hand so it's well. a little, Yeah, but, it's a little clay-fired Pops, but, in, but inside of it, with grubs in it, with but something inside, inside it, it, one of the most <laughs> wonderful things to eat, and it's called gusano. It's worms. Uh, it's a caterpillar, is it? It's a worm. It's a worm. See, I think I've tried those. Yeah. I think I've had those before. They're very nice. They're, they're, they're like uh, peanutty almost. They're very nutty flavor. The they're, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful taste. And 
these kind of things are very dried. At the moment, you can have obviously worm of maguey, for example, that comes out from the cacti. Of course, of course. You get it at the bottom of, of, of your tequila. That's where, yeah. I've, well, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, some people put it on the, on the bottle, but I think it's more of a marketing sort of tool to actually mm-hmm. put it. Yeah. But, but these guys, you can have them um, You can have them on a tortilla. They can just, on the comalo, they can just, on a frying pan, you can just put a little bit of butter. Um, um, and this is one of the most wonderful things to have. Um you go to and you're just going to you just have it has it been fried did you say is it well, or is this, it just this, dried? Has been, this has been dried and fried but for example you just you just get the molcajete the and mortar you grind it you put a little bit of salt and these guys have got a little bit of like a like a citrusy sort of flavor and now we've heard of a drink called mezcal which is a type of it's not really a tequila so let's not confuse one and the other one tequila has got a process very similar to mezcal but one of the beautiful things that mezcal has and it's very originated from oaxaca Basically, uh, they actually smoke the pine, the piña, which is the heart of the, the cacti, the, 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 the maguey itself. And it has a very smoky flavor behind it. So, so to be able to have a very round sort of palate and flavor on the dish, what they do is they make a salt out of this worm. And, really? Yep. Wow. So they make a powder out of it and they put it on the rind or they just put it on a separate plate so you can get your orange or citrusy flavor which you suck that a little bit with your salt and then you have your mezcal and it's one of the most wonderful combinations you can have uh what's that salt called what do they call the salt with sal, the uh, sal de gusano which is salt worm worm yeah salt but worm. you wouldn't even know as a, as a tourist over there you wouldn't understand that salt was made out of crushed up uh caterpillars well, or, well, you we, know worms well, the, the majority of the waiting staff and uh, uh the majority i mean this we're so proud of our ingredients that we actually do say you're actually having uh, worms on on your salt and a lot of people <laughs> especially the americans are just like oh i'm not sure but americans are, are very open the next ingredient that actually i discovered in in oaxaca i mean it's, it's everywhere i won't be able to tilt it very well uh, let me just see if you can see it like that this is my wife's one of my wife's favorite ingredients this is called chapulin and i'm doing a project at the moment with chapulin the tiny and i'm gonna have one because my mouth is watering mm. so oh, is this nice. is this animal is vegetable or, or mineral what is it it's an insect Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. It looks like saffron on the on the on it the does. zoom. It looks like I mean, saffron. The, the different sizes. Now, chapulin are crickets, and the flavor, the flavor on them, they're just phenomenal. And people in Oaxaca actually taste that a lot. And I've got the last one. Very famous, famous chef, created. I think you've seen on the fifty best, uh, created a mayonnaise out of these these ants. And they actually originate in Oaxaca. Enrique Olvera is one of the biggest pioneers of, of what Mexico knows nowadays of the good fine dining in the world, alongside Jorge Vallejo, which is another, it's a really, really good good chef. In fact, uh, I hope they're not listening, but there's one restaurant favorite of mine, and he's not. <laughs> they're competing against each other. One is better than the other one, in my eyes, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, but Jorge You're not Vallejo, welcome either now. <laughs> No, I, I really respect both of them, but uh, one one of them is just cooking exactly the style of food that I like. Um, now, um, Enrique Vera made, I don't know if you remember the picture, it was like a, like a wonderful little, uh, I think it was a pumpkin, and inside of that they had like the ants, mayonnaise made out of these ants, and little pieces of corn, and he would cover it. It's, it's one of his biggest signature dishes. Yeah. And uh, en- Enrique Vera basically makes a, a, a mayonnaise made out of this type of ant, the flying ants, and it's called the chicatana. So what is that? Actually, that looks like a little berry almost you're holding up. It is, is that, like a berry. Yeah, and like they're, they're incredible. I don't know if you can hear the... Getting the a little bit crunch. That's a flying ant. Mm. 
Was it a delicious. flying ant egg or is it, or is it part of it? Yeah. No. scrunched up? It's the actual ant that has been dehydrated. It is the flavor on its own. It's such a shame that I'm making probably, and some people are just cringing, but I'm, probably you guys, your mouth is watering. My mouth is still watering. It is so flavorsome and it's got a lot of nutty flavors behind it. Um, a lot of vanilla notes. It's mm. a really elegant um, three ingredients that I really, really like using on, on our Mexican cooking. And again, it goes way back to our ancestors. Well, that's what um, I was going to say. I mean, the, the, the history of, of, of insects and, and, and those other sorts of protein in Mexico is thousands of years old. I mean, it feels like the world here in, in Europe and America is discovering this food source, but actually civilizations have known about these things for, for millennia. Yeah, this is not a novelty. This is not a sort of dare-based thing. This is, I mean, and I've tried some of these things over here and they're, 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 they're remarkable, but you're talking about them just being used as a main ingredient. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we? And I guess they've had thousands of years to try all the other ones, right? So we're just jumping on the on the conveyor belt so they've picked out some which are delicious we you know we, we, we're so uneducated in all of this well it's, it's, i'm talking cool. about the most commercial ones and a lot of people will cringe oh my goodness uh, having insects but trust me in probably 20 years time not even longer than that uh, not even less than that we're going to be eating more of this than than eating uh, meat itself i mean there's Leonardo DiCaprio did a really really good series regarding uh obvious well he didn't do it but he actually sponsored it to do um, uh, anything and everything to do with the consumption of beef, for example, or any animal product. Um, we don't know if he's vegan. I feel that he is. But, um, um, well, everybody in Hollywood has turned out to be a vegan. Now <laughs> 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 but you're absolutely right. right it is about the footprint. We're, we're all very aware of the footprint that our yeah. lives make and our food makes. And, and it isn't as simple as, well, if I eat vegetables, then my footprint is smaller. That's not always the case. And, and, and yeah. though it's the same, people are uncovering that with lots of things. I know, funnily enough, it came up about electric cars today, but actually the comfort of making these cars is enormous right compared it is. to you know existing, changing existing structures but we believe it's the right way forward so people will keep trying and looking i'm certain of that yep. but really what it is is that people are now it's part of the decision matrix that people have about everything in their life where does my food yeah. come from how well, much is it yeah. traveling as well as the, the kind of impact it's making on the environment as a well, whole mexicans won't suffer if this really does change drastically i mean vegetarian dishes i consider indian food very similar to mexican food uh, probably a lot of mexicans will say like for example indian that's interesting indian restaurants now you say it i know what you mean in, indian restaurants are not not tremendously popular in mexico i'm not really sure why and there's nothing better than having a really good curry being in mexico once a week i do fancy a curry has become like a national dish for, for us in the uk so so you know from sauces and everything and i, I want to show you something else Whilst we're in Oaxaca, uh, I have obviously my... Oh, look, my, this is I an have, insectarium. No, this is... No, what's the, that? Look, look, the chili. This is my dry store. Oh. Well, I've got a huge dry store at home, but I basically I brought, obviously... the to some of the labels. What have you yeah. got? Fernando's got about four or five boxes <coughs> worth. Big yeah. Tupperware boxes no, full of dried goods. Got, to, one says chipotle. I've on got it. like a hundred here at home because I cook a lot at home, to, for obviously for MasterChef and all this type of things. But I'm, I'm going to be opening one by one. And whilst we're in, in Oaxaca... Oaxaca basically, yeah, Oaxaca basically has got a lot of spices and a lot of stuff like that. So um, one of the biggest and most popular dishes in Oaxaca is anything to do with mole. Mole, uh, um, oh, yes. Puebla is another region, which is south of Mexico City. But Oaxaca is very well renowned for the moles. They've got seven different classic moles. So what uh, do you mean by mole? Just, uh, mole. just for people that don't know. Very easy. Think on a curry, a really nice base of curry. But the most wonderful thing from this mole in itself, mole, it's a sauce cooked for hours and hours and hours. And the, the story, I don't know the story in itself 100%, but the story says that a nun 
many many centuries ago uh, what was they were expecting a um someone really important from spain and uh, they wanted to entertain I mean, we're not talking about Hernán Cortés or someone who, who really took over Mexico, but someone really, really powerful. Uh, and she was carrying a big tray with lots of ingredients to, first of all, to grind them. Then secondly, to, to, to start building up a sauce that would go with, with a particular ingredient. Nowadays, it's turkey or chicken. Uh, not really sure exactly what she was cooking, but she tripped. And a lot of chocolate went into it. So it's a chocolate-based, spiced and the original ingredient, I believe, is like 100, 120 to 130 different ingredients, from nuts to spices to we're talking about star anise and uh, cinnamon. And it's like a curry sort of base. That, I had no idea. 120 ingredients. So that's it's, incredible. Well, the original original that I've tasted many, many years ago, I was actually a kid. Uh, I thought, my God, this is an explosion in your mouth. It's just mm. absolutely delicious. But now, obviously, you've got 75,000 moles, and they, I think the base usually it's like five to six different spices plus the chilies and um, and obviously the chocolate is the, the last sort of part that you will use to, to actually enhance the flavor of it you cannot put it beforehand because it will split and you just got to keep an eye on staring and staring and staring so you have nuts with them you've got sesame seeds that are all toasted and some of them are actually toasted in this beautiful wonderful thing that actually wow, gives lovely. even a better flavor so so everything is cooked in wood i mean that's the original sort of ways of doing it now uh, we have I, it's a shame that i didn't bring it i've got it in the kitchen and if you want me to i'll bring it but it's a really nice uh, really nice uh, clay pots that you put it on naked flame as well and you can cook on them and in england we will think oh my god that you put it on naked flame it's just going to explode it's a wonderfully yeah. crafted thing but no they reach really high temperatures and you can actually cook and it gives better flavor to your dishes I'm actually getting very hungry. So what I want to show you guys, um, <laughs> this we use everywhere in Mexico. It's called, uh, this is called Chile de Arbol. And the translation, it's a tree, it's a tree chili. We make, uh, it's always dry. And Chile de Arbol comes essentially from, it's one of the most important chilies in Mexican cooking. And we use it in sweets. Uh, in Mexico, uh, kids go to school and they take a little sachet of Miguelito. And it's the same um, quantities of chili to the same quantities of sugar <laughs> it, i've tried street chili sweets but, and i was i like chili and yeah, i was blown apart by this them. is not and kids take these to school yeah, do they? I mean, we we put it on on some an ingredient that i absolutely love we don't have it in england it's called jicama and jicama it's a it's got like the snap like of an apple it's got a lovely lovely texture we can have it as a salad or we can have it as a sweet and kids or even adults we have like this like a snack and we put a little bit of lime juice, a little bit of the powder of these chilies, sugar and lime powder. And my God, it's just, again, another explosion in the mouth. And I've got my mouth yeah. watering yeah. Yeah. describing it. That's amazing. Yeah. So, You've so, got my mouth watering. Uh, wow. I, was telling, yeah. I was telling James that you go to the cinema and you buy popcorn. And, <laughs> and then you can actually get the powder out of this and you just sprinkle a little bit. Or they give you a, sa <laughs> they give you a sachet of something called Valentina sauce, which we have at Stovell's. And you have it, you just pour it. It looks like Tabasco, but it's a little bit thicker. And you just put that in the cinema on your, on your popcorn or, or any other sorts of things. So we use chili, as you know, as part of our uh, uh, basis. Chili doesn't necessarily have to be spicy. It can, it can actually be sweet. i show you another chili that, again, we use a lot. But Oaxaca has got, obviously, various... We, they use various types of chilies. The next one. It's called, um, this one is probably, where is it? It's called pasilla. I don't know if you can see that. 
We use this all around Mexico City. Now, Pasilla has got a lot of um, uh, qualities. Pasilla is beautiful. We know of the uh, raw ingredient in itself. It's called Chile Poblano. It's relatively sweet, depending on the type of the year. We all think that the seeds are the spicy ones, but really the veins that go all across the chili is, mm. is the part that it, it makes the decibels that the chili becomes really spicy. Now, why this one is dried? This one, I've got a really special dish at Silvels called pescado a la talla, which is fish a la talla. We make an adobo. You can make an adobo out of any of the chilies. An adobo is like a mix to actually make the marinade off. So you, when you grill, you can actually get all those powerful earthy flavors. The more that you dehydrate an ingredient, the more powerful in flavor it becomes, the more enhanced in flavor it becomes. So pasilla can be used in two different ways. Pasilla can be used, or poblano can be used. The poblano, well, the poblano is the original sort of name. The poblano is, the poblano in itself, um, I'm sorry, the ancho is the, 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 this is not the poblano. This is, this is another type of chili in the raw, raw, raw form. But this chili, we use it for, for example, seafood, lamb, and we can make an adobo out of it. I'm, I'm confused with the ancient poblano. They're quite similar. Um, but this chili, they also call it as chilaca, and you can make mole based out of this. Um, so you've got different types of colors. Um, very good with honey, very good with oregano, which again, oregano from Mexico, for me, it's the best in the world. There's no better oregano. Uh, and Italians will probably say, Fernando, you are uh, talking bonkers, but uh, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> of course they would. That's uh, the Italians say uh, that everything is well, not from Italy. Well, Does the dehydration process uh, decrease the capsaicin power within the chili? Or it does, it does. It decreases, but well, depending on what chili it is, uh, for example, the, the previous one that I showed you, which is the arbol one, it actually... Uh, increases the the decibels and uh, again it has a lot to do with the sun everything uh, I believe I, I mean I haven't done a, 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 a proper study behind it but I believe very strongly that chilies in them in them in themselves depending on the season if the sun really heats the the ingredient well it caramelizes and it just I believe very strongly that it enhances the flavor and the spiciness of the, mm. of the dish in itself. I think when you put, like, for example, a piece of beef uh, on, on a frying pan, and you, you can just see the caramelization and everything that goes in within the pan in the surface of it, and it becomes crispy, you've got a lot of sugar, sugarness on that. That's why we say we're going to caramelize that ingredient. Um, I believe when the sun is heating really hard, and Mexico is quite warm, depending on the region, if you go up north, Sonora, Chihuahua, my goodness, is really, really hot. And that's why... I believe amongst the best chilies you can actually get. And that's because of the calid sort of sort of areas that just the sun is hitting so hard the ingredient that is just caramelizing, it matures really quickly and the spiciness just develops really well. Uh, um, that's I, really interesting. Again, that we've talked about a sort sense, of similar of thing before. I remember in a conversation with Heston before about ratatouille and, and the idea of, you know, I can't remember what we were talking about specifically, but when, when you have it in the sun, you know, there's a different flavour. When you sit out in a sun-drenched Mediterranean backyard yep. having freshly prepared ratatouille that's, you know, on the table there, it's totally different from when you serve it here in England when it's cold and rainy outside and whatever. The, the feeling is different. You're feeling different too. I mean, there's a very yep. emotional connection with all of this and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is science underneath that. If, if we travel up north and we go to Sonora, Chihuahua, all the, those regions where it's really, really, really warm, 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 and, uh, and you get, like, you know, the, the most amazing aguachiles or the most amazing ceviches. Um, Peruvians would, would, come, would claim that, that they have the best ceviches. 
Come to Mexico, and I tell you what the I could Italians say. Italians probably would also chip in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the Italians will have wonderful carpaccios, but come to Mexico <laughs> and have have something. I mean, every country has got the best of their own, but I, I believe England. We're very proud of our seasonalities. They're very, very marked. I mean, we have a very good autumn, an incredible winter, uh, uh, and uh, and we get a wonderful spring, and then and then a wonderful summer. And every single season has got the best out of what we really produce in, the, in Britain. I mean, one of the, the most beautiful ingredients that we're so proud of are strawberries, for example, and, and we just sell strawberries in such a wonderful way. And, and it is just a very, very peculiar season that we actually have the best of its best. And the world knows about it. We know, a lot of the world thinks that England has got a very boring menu. I would love them to try a brown. And here in Mexico is a big challenge. So, well, what would an English chef would be a master chef? Well, come to England and try a fresh strawberry in within the season or come to England and have a crab brown meat and white meat sandwich from either Cornwall all the way from up, up north or one of the best scallops in the world that you get from from the Isles of, of Scotland. Uh, Mexico has got the same thing. My, my, my skin just goes funny. Uh, you know, it's lovely though when you describe it though, because I love that. I, I'm always curious how people view us uh, from abroad, because obviously it's, it's such an eclectic mix of stuff over here. I mean, it, it, the food culture has advanced so much, but that idea of what's the ingredients you can have—that's a brilliant list. Well, Gordon Ramsay has been, and I say it to everyone because everybody knows Gordon and says, "Oh, you know, is is England really good?" And I personally think between Marco Pierre White, uh, obviously the, the Brew Brothers, and this is when I really arrived to the country when when things were really really getting getting full on i mean marco pierre white has done wonderful things but gordon has really came out from to the world to actually say hold on england has got the best out of the best and and we can compete with anyone uh, i mean heston i mean <laughs> that's that's another story in itself but uh you know there's so many chefs who have really re re revolutionized uh, what england's all about and and uh, i am really proud of being part of both worlds uh, uh. and and i think what's that similar to your story what britain is discovering now certainly the heston world that i've inhabited which i never knew about before is the gastronomic history of britain mm. but it's there it's already there you know we have a history we have yep. a wonderful characterful colorful gastronomic past that's just never been plundered for no. for ideas and slowly people have found it people have paved the way like heston and uncovered one or two important texts and people are plundering it and finding the old ways that you know, the British chefs were cooking in that time with incredible ingredients and, and incredible imagination. So, you know, I, I... We don't talk about it like you do the Mexican. You know, when you talk, no. spoke about the, you know, the Aztecs and just that connection with the food culture from them. We don't have that uh, here and it's slowly coming, but it's it is, not... It is incredible. In I was asked in one of the interviews not long ago uh, who would be one of the most interesting people to, to cook for in within all the celebrities and all the, the important high profiles. And uh, apart from obviously my, my, my family and, and people who I love, but if I go back in history worldwide, Henry VIII, it will be the biggest challenge in the planet. I mean, if you don't cook yeah. him the, the best banquet, you know exactly where you'll finish with Anne Boleyn. <laughs> I, I think what you'd find back then is a real curiosity about the food. I mean, there really was an appetite, and I don't mean that in a, in a humorous way, but obviously they ate a lot, but kind of to try new things. We were Absolutely. exploring the world and bringing back ingredients and learning how to cook them, hope, yep. you know, in, in whatever way they found. And that's Henry VIII versus Mole in Chile would be really interesting. Well, I'd be very curious you, you, to see what he made of it. You'd be surprised that... Uh, um, I can proudly say that even because I've been asked that uh, even to Her Majesty, I have catered some Mexican-influenced ingredients. Uh, uh, um, I mean, I can't really say exactly what because I can't even remember myself. Uh, but <laughs> but to, to the heads of state from, from various, I proudly can say that I've cooked selected Mexican things 
in within obviously you know protocols is just don't don't give them something that is just beyond spicy because how uncomfortable for them and uh, uh you can start literally start a war with that if they're yeah, having a chat about something quite serious and yeah. you blow them like yeah. it's going to raise yeah. the tempo in the room well, well exactly. i was going to say i i'm i'm happy to reveal my only royal brush of royal <laughs> cooking was was filming for something with with james martin this was well making saturday kitchen which i know fernando's you know knows about but he had james once did a dinner for prince charles which we were very kindly invited to follow as a, as a backstage kind of video for the program and the brief came down that basically Charles didn't want anything with garlic, nothing with onions. He had his beef done. Well done. I don't want any of that rare stuff. And it was really specific. <laughs> and so it became a, became a challenge to cook for 120 people plus one who had a completely different palate. Was gonna, <laughs> it was is, able to demand it. it. It is difficult, but, you know, we all have different palates and, and we just got to respect that that part. Uh, uh, I mean, no garlic, that's a challenge. I mean, England and Europe have got all these 14 allergens uh, that they're really, really on... on I mean, the, the law is really, really on top of it. And nuts is a big, big no-no. Of course, yeah, allergies. In I mean, you've got... But I suppose for these characters, food is part of a diplomatic toolkit. You know, oh, you of would course. often yeah. do diplomacy over over a meal and the last thing like Jay says you want is someone so wafting of garlic across well, while trying not, to make a really not, not long ago, Not long ago, I had to cater here in Mexico for, for Elizabeth Truss. And um, Elizabeth Truss, uh, I'm talking about like a month and a half ago, uh, uh, and Elizabeth Truss, really really nice nice person um that we're trying to bring pork to mexico and uh pork is one of the big big ingredients that we actually consume a lot i mean there's an incredible dish that again we go into yucatan which are, which is commercially known as of where cancun and all these um beautiful resorts are but yucatan is a big state and for me it's the second most important state when it comes culinary oaxaca and and yucatan yucatan has got an incredible ingredient called ashiote and ashiote um uh, one of the most famous tacos that we have here in Mexico, tortilla. I mean, Mexican food is so vast, like any other country in the world. And we do something called tacos al pastor. And tacos al pastor, we think on the drums that we have on the kebab. My mouth really waters because it's one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, we got a drum like a kebab, but we actually marinate the, 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 the meat itself with the achiote. And we put orange and we put selected other ingredients just to make a really nice adobo. You slice it really thin. You put it on a tortilla. You put raw onion and, and coriander. And then on top of that, you get a slice grilled of pineapple. That they just slice it and just put it on the tortilla. Really exciting. That's unexpected, isn't it? It sounds fantastic. I can sit that. I can sit down, and you can choose them if you want them planchados, ironed, so they get more charred and more, 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 more. Which is yes, that. Which is my favorite. So you get the char flavor, you get the pork, and you get a little bit of the pineapple. And uh, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to swear, but my God, I really fancy them <laughs> all the oh, time. Fernando, I want them right now. That's <laughs> and, uh, ridiculous. And 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 basically, uh, why am I talking a shot? A shot that comes from Yucatan. It comes from the the uh, the. Um, how do you call this? This little seed, which I was so excited to hear a very famous chef that I absolutely follow him everywhere. I speak to him not often. I spoke to him maybe like three months ago. And Donny from Ugaritz. And Donny started using an, the the anato, the uh, the actual seed itself. And I was like, oh my god, he's bringing Mexican stuff to Europe. Uh, obviously, René Sepeki, who came here and actually did an unbelievable job here in Mexico, trying to put Mexico in a better better place. Um, but going to Yucatan, they use this a lot, cochinita pibil. My mother-in-law, my mother as well, being English, they cook something called cochinita, uh, which, again, is, is braised pork, or either the leg or the shoulder of the pork, and they just put this spice. They marinate it with naranja agria, uh, which is sour orange or 
bitter orange, uh, uh, which we call them commercially in England, the Seville oranges, which they grow in February. Yeah. And, uh, and again, I could just carry on, guys. I don't know how much longer we've got. but uh, <laughs> We've actually, well, we actually don't have any, we've overrun, and I, I don't care because I've been letting, <laughs> I just think, let, let it go. But we unfortunately have run out of time on this. However, yeah. I, I just think the inspiration that you're giving here, I mean, it feels like there is this world of Mexican cooking that we know so little about. Please come back, Fernando, and just keep talking to us about Mexico for another yeah, yeah, hour. Yeah, Fernando, I'm afraid for now we have run out of time on this, <laughs> but you. this has just been joyous. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that with us. It has been really uh, just a real honour and, and just brilliant and feels so exciting and exotic to be just taken on such a, an amazing gastronomic tour of Mexico, even if just in our minds and my mouth is watering like crazy now. But... Um, <laughs> But that was a delight. Thank you so much, sir. We really appreciate it. An absolute it. pleasure. An absolute pleasure. Uh, and James, wasn't that brilliant? Oh, marvellous. Marvellous. Honestly, I've been Googling, well, in between things, having a quick look at prices <laughs> to Mexico, which part, <laughs> where can I, I get... I was planning it on a map. I was like, oh, Where can I get, you know, some, some tacos <laughs> tonight? I don't know. We did anything. I just, you know, filmed now... <laughs> Empty straight, and lonely. Straight to the chili drawer. Absolutely. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, well, until until next time, James, I will speak to you next week. Absolutely. Goodbye. <laughs>